Welcome to the Biscuits and SEC Week 2 Preview. I am your host, Stephen Willis, alongside the Hammer and Boss Man Slim. We're going to take you through the action around the conference today. Boss Man, tell people how they can read your stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So folks can go to biscuitsandsec.com. You'll find all of our content there. Uh, we post blogs on uh, our website there. We also have our morning newsletter that you can sign up for. Uh, that's called the Morning Biscuits Newsletter. We do that on Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays. Uh, just go to biscuitsandsec.com. You can sign up uh, for everything there. It'll come in your inbox. It's free. Uh, and then you can find us on YouTube, Biscuits and SEC, where we'll post our uh, weekly previews uh, with you, Stephen, on there. Uh, and then we've also got our social media where you can find us at Biscuits and SEC on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. All right, and if you notice at the bottom of the screen, if you're watching this, there's a nice handy-dandy little crawl with the teams, the lines, the times that they start, and the networks they will be on TV. Um, pretty cool, if I say so myself, because I spent 15 minutes building it, so of course I'm proud of it. Um, anyway, we're going to start off. Number 20, Kentucky, is going down to the swamp to play number 12, Florida, which I can't believe you go from unranked to 12, but that's another thing altogether. My question is, do you think the media is overreacting to the win over Utah? And do you think Kentucky has a chance with their depleted roster to go down there and get a W? Hey. Yeah, I think um, kind of twofold here. I do think the media is slightly overreacting to Florida's win over Utah, just meaning, like you said, they went from unranked to ranked 12th, which is quite the leap. Um and I think when you look at Utah's perspective, right, you know, very good team. It was a great win for Florida. I don't want to discount anything. Um, I'm actually high on Florida this week. We can get to that uh, in a second. But just in terms of the, the perception that Florida now has, I think when you, when you take a step back and you see, okay, Utah is a Pac-12 team coming into the swamp at night, opening night uh, of the season against Anthony Richardson, who – he played a little last year, but there's not much film on the guy. And a lot of what he did last year was running the ball, um, which he ran very successfully against Utah as well. But I just think it's quite possible they got caught off guard. Not that they didn't think Anthony Richardson was good. I think everyone knew he had the potential to be good, but they didn't know what to expect from him in this game. It's a new coaching staff. So the film last year is kind of irrelevant anyway. So I think it's very possible that, you know, they, they were caught a little bit off guard. And, and is Florida the 12th best team in the country? I'm not ready to say that yet. They could be, um, but I'm not quite there yet. I think it was a, a big leap uh, for them to jump that far. Yeah, I, I think it was a big leap as well. Um, I, I'm not discounting what Florida did. I think it was a fantastic win in the swamp. Anytime you can get a top 10 win to start the season uh, in the swamp um, or, or elsewhere, you know, even at a neutral site, right? It's a, it's huge. So um, you know, I, I think uh, everybody's on notice now. Uh, Florida made a statement in that game. Utah's a good team. Utah had a chance to win that game at the end. Um, and, and, Utah, and Florida came away with a, a gritty win. So uh, I think the jump was a little high. I probably would have stuck them around 15 uh, to 18, somewhere in that range. Um, but looking at what's coming in this week, uh, I think it's going to be interesting. You know, th this game kind of flipped on a dime. You know, you, you, everybody was kind of thinking, okay, Kentucky at the start of this year, they've got a good chance to walk into the swamp and get a win in week two. Um, and uh, we'll see if that happens. We can talk a little bit about that in a minute, but uh, the game's kind of flipped. The script has flipped a little bit on what folks were thinking in the offseason looking at this game. Yeah, if rising, it 
hits his pass on that last play and the linebacker doesn't pick it off. What's the story we're telling going into this Kentucky game? The story is all about the Kentucky running backs, right? Yeah, exactly. I think the story's uh, very different. I think, uh, you know, everybody's obviously going to still be talking about Anthony Richardson and what a great game he had, um, but it would be a loss. Uh, the narrative would be very different. Florida gets off to a loss in uh, week one um, in Billy Napier's first game. Um, can they get it done in the swamp under Billy Napier? It's a it's a whole different narrative coming out of that game if uh, if Cam Rising hits that pass um, and Florida doesn't intercept it in the end zone. So um, that's kind of why I think this was a bit of an overreaction uh, to put Florida all the way up, knocking on the door of the top 10. Uh, based on what they did last year, you know, um, they were not even close to a top 10 team. They, they weren't very good last year. Uh, and now we're all of a sudden going to crown them and say, hey, maybe they're second in the SEC East. Maybe they can challenge Georgia. Maybe – uh, they are a top 10 team. Maybe they're going to be knocking on the door of the playoff. I'm not ready to say that just yet, uh, but this week will tell us a lot if they are actually at that level. Yeah. If they can somehow get past Kentucky, they still have Tennessee left to go, but there's a chance to start this schedule that could have been a one and three, started a three and one or a four and oh, and all of a sudden you're kind of cooking with gas a little bit, Hank. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think the biggest thing you want to see out of Florida, if, if you're a, a Florida fan or just a you know a college football fan, is consistency, right? I mean, that's what plagued them last year. They took Alabama down to the wire, and then they, you know, six weeks later, they're getting beat by 20 points to South Carolina. So they they were very Jekyll and Hyde a year ago, um, and this week we're going to see if you know that's flipped and if Billy Napier has this team. Uh, on the right track and fully bought in. And, you know, if we want to go ahead and talk predictions, I, I do think Florida will beat Kentucky. Um, I'm a little nervous about the spread. I think it's a good good point spread. I might actually take Kentucky to cover. Um, I don't know, though. I, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a big believer in Levis, as we've mentioned on the show before. I said last week to look out for the Kentucky offensive line to see if they could run the ball against Miami of Ohio. Uh, they ran for 50 yards on 26 carries. So this game to me is on Will Levis's shoulders. You know, is is he going to ascend to that level that some people think he could get to and put this team on his back and get a win on the road in the swamp? I think that's a bit too tall of an ask. Um, so I, I'm, I'm leaning Florida here. Uh, like I said, I think Kentucky might cover. Um, if, if, I, if I was really putting money on this game, I, I, I wouldn't. Um, I think, think it's a good line. Um, but yeah, that's kind of my, my thoughts on this game. I just don't think Kentucky's going to be able to really run the ball. Um, they did have another uh, wide receiver last week. I think Tavion Robinson, another transfer from Virginia Tech who looked good on the outside. So they have some weapons. It's just um, if you can't run the ball and you're going to be defending Anthony Richardson all night, I, I think it's going to be uh, a tough sledding for that Kentucky offense. Boston. Yeah, I'm. Uh, you know, I think uh... – I've said it. I said it in our week zero show. I said it last week. Uh, I'm not the biggest believer in Will Levis. I, I, he's got to show me. There's a lot of hype around him. A lot of people are really excited about his uh, his combine measurables, uh, which has NFL scouts excited. Um, but I'm just not sold yet. And look, I think if uh, if Cameron Rising had difficulty walking in there and beating Florida in the swamp, I think Will Levis is going to have a lot of trouble too, especially when he doesn't have Chris Rodriguez uh, to take some of the pressure off. 
uh, of the passing game because that's what Florida's going to do. Florida's going to dare him to pass the ball all night and make Will Levis beat him with his with his arm because uh, I don't think they believe that Cavassier Smoke and that offensive line is going to be able to run the ball on him. Uh, so it's going to be all Will Levis's shoulders, like Hank said, and uh, I just don't think that uh, he can get it done. I think Cam Rising's a better quarterback. I think Utah's a better team at the end of the day. Uh, I think if this game was been, being played in the big grocery bag in Lexington, then maybe they would have a better shot. Uh, but this isn't being played there. This is a night game in the swamp. Uh, you're walking into a tough environment to play in, uh, a place where Kentucky has not won a lot in the last 30 years. Uh, and so I, I really think that this one's going to uh, be won by Florida. I think that Anthony Richardson has another big game. Um, and I think that they really kind of burst onto the scene here in year one uh, under Billy Napier and, and in week two and, and really start some momentum going into week three. Yeah, it should be interesting. Um, Dan Mullen at Florida, when Kentucky won that first game, ruined my favorite joke of all time, and that was the Atlantic will beat Florida before Kentucky does. And so Dan <laughs> Mullen was not able to pull that one off. So I, I like Florida as well in this game. It, it should be um, fairly interesting. Either way, it's going to be a big measuring stick for the Wildcats and the Gators because one of them is going to have cold water poured on their season. The other is going to be off and running a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. All right. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your pro football and college betting needs, the sports info this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's opening week's games. BetOnline is also your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. I'm sure you could get an MLS line if you say pretty please. And head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, thanks again for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. So do us a favor, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell for notifications for new videos, which like this one goes up all the time on the channel, and of course, upvote the video itself. Now, we did week one. If you just tuned in and missed our first segment, I don't know why you would just tune in, but if you did, um, we talked about Kentucky and Florida. So now it's time to go around the league a little bit and Here are these storylines that's going on, and we're going to start off with an old Big 8 game. It's one that's been played over 90 times. Missouri is in the Little Apple in Manhattan, Kansas. Uh, Kansas State is a a 7.5-point favorite. It's on ESPN2. It's an 11 a.m. game. It has Big 12 written all over it. Um, This is a weird game because I think Missouri is sneakily better than we thought they were, but Kansas State is like, just a solid team. Yeah, Kansas State always gives people fits. Uh, they, they, they've done it to Oklahoma for years. They've done it to Texas for years. Uh, you know, as A&M fans, when we were back in the Big 12, Kansas State gave us fits. Um, they're usually just a well-coached team. Under Bill Snyder, they were very disciplined. They never had the talent level that, that, that should compete, uh, you know, with some of the bigger schools. But they always did, and they always found ways to win. And so uh, I think that this one's a pretty evenly matched game. Uh, when it's all said and done, I give Kansas State the upper hand just because it is uh, in Manhattan. Uh, I, I think at the end of the day, Kansas State does pull this one out. I don't know a ton about their team this year. 
Uh, but I do know a little bit about Missouri, and I, I'm still – Missouri's the show-me state, and Missouri's got to show me something. Uh, I, I just haven't seen it yet from from Drinkwitz except in uh, his first year, and I, I really need to see more. I think this is a good test for them, uh, and I hope they prove me wrong. But right now I'm taking Kansas State to win, uh, and I give them the slight edge just because it's at home. Yeah, I, um, I'm on the same same page there. I think, you know, when you look at Kansas State, they've got Adrian Martinez, uh, formerly of Nebraska, now their quarterback. I feel like every time we go over a game, there's a new transfer that, that is worth mentioning. Um, but I guess that's just that's just college football these days. But, um, yeah, so they have Adrian Martinez there, obviously very experienced. Uh, he's not going to look twice, you know, facing a Missouri team. I think he'll be more than prepared. Uh, he, he can be turnover prone at times. I'm just not sure that uh, Missouri has the defense to really take advantage of that. Um, I do think the line is a little big. You know, I, I would take Missouri to cover. I think they're they're an improved team. Uh, Brady Cook did a little bit uh, last week, especially on the ground. Um, he had a, a nice long touchdown run. So there's some things that Missouri can do. I just think uh, overall, Kansas State is, is a slightly better team, and it's it's going to be at home. Um, I think Missouri will have some trouble containing Deuce Vaughn, the uh, little Kansas State running back who is incredibly difficult to tackle and even get a, a hand on in the running game. So I lean Kansas State here, um, but I do think Missouri will keep it close. Yes, 11 a.m. ESPN2. Over on the SEC Network at 11 a.m., Vanderbilt host number 23 Wake Forest and the return of Sam Hartman. Um, I was thinking about all week taking Vandy in this game, and then Sam Hartman gets cleared, and it's like, that is just the Commodore luck. That It, it couldn't have been any other way. So I'm, I'm taking Wake Forest in this game. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Like you said, just tough luck for Vanderbilt. I, I believe this line was somewhere around six, six and a half. Uh, earlier in the week, the Hartman news dropped. And as you can see, it's uh, now Wake Forest 13. You know, when you look at this, typically it, it might still be a situation where you're thinking, okay, uh, quarterback's coming back, but he's been out for several weeks, hasn't been practicing, yada, yada. With Hartman, he's been there for four years now, I think. I mean, the guy is really old. He looks like a 30-year-old man. If you see a picture of him, he's huge, has a big old beard. Um he looks like a grown man playing college football, um, and I expect him to come back and play very well. Uh, I do think Vanderbilt will be able to score um, on on Wake Forest. You know, Wake Forest defense has not been very good uh, in recent years, and I think Mike Mike Wright is is good. Uh, I just don't think there's there's going to be enough for Vandy to stop them, and there's going to be so much you know emotion and everything tied into Hartman coming back that I think Wake Forest will will roll. Um, here and, and pull away and probably cover that 13-point spread. Yeah, that, that game will be played in front of tens and tens of fans in Nashville. <laughs> yeah, I was going to make some joke about their home field advantage. <laughs> there is a home field advantage uh, at Vanderbilt right now. Uh, I Look, I think you guys are right. I, I, we don't have to spend too much time on it. Mike Wright's playing really well. I, I've been you know really interested in watching his highlights. I think uh, the guy's got a lot of talent. He's athletic. Um, but Vanderbilt, I think, is still Vanderbilt. They're they're two and zero right now, but they're still Vanderbilt. There was a chance to get three and zero if Sam Hartman didn't play, uh, but Sam Hartman's playing, and that kid is solid. He knows the offense well. Uh, Wake Forest is going to put up points, and in the end, I think they they take this one pretty easily. Yeah, 
Um, also at 11 o'clock on regular Mothership ESPN, it is the South Carolina Gamecocks going against the Arkansas Razorbacks. Speaking of grown men playing quarterback, um, K.J. Jefferson will be handling the deal for Arkansas because he does look like everybody's 40-year-old uncle um, playing quarterback. I mean, there was a press conference last year, I don't know if y'all remembered, where he came in with a wife beater and everything. He's like, no, no, this this is just too meme-worthy. It, we, I can't. I don't know if we can handle this, but Arkansas comes in against South Carolina against Spencer Rattler, who was, let's say, shaky in Week One, uh, and I, I, I just don't know if South Carolina is going to be able to hold up against this Arkansas team. They could be a little bit off to the races after this week. Yeah, KJ Jefferson uh, looks like your uncle who has a barbecue. Uh, but then he's going to run for a 70-yard touchdown and throw for 200 yards against you, you know. Um, he is sneaky athletic, and he's a, he's a stud. I mean, he, he's going to be a solid quarterback all year. Uh, the preseason hype was warranted, in my opinion. Um, and I, I think he's I think he's the difference in this game. I, I, I agree with you. You know, Spencer Rattler had a shaky week last week. I think he's probably going to look better this week. Uh, you got a better opponent. A lot of times that brings the best out of people. Um, and I, I think Spencer Rattler will have a better game because of that. But this one's at home. This one's at Fayetteville. Uh, if this one was in Columbia, I think that South Carolina might have a better shot. Um, but this one being at Fayetteville, uh, I think Arkansas takes this one. And I, I think Arkansas is going to have a good year and, uh, you know, push push momentum into week three after getting a win over Shane Beamer and the Gamecocks. Mm-hmm. So, Let's look ahead. Um, I actually minimized this real quick. Let me open it back up. Alabama goes to Daryl K. Royal. That has a fantastic meme that's going around that's like flash flood warning for like sweat and tears in Daryl K. Royal Stadium. There's a bunch of people that are all hyped up and excited about this. And you just want to make a joke. It's like, this is Alabama coming to town. This isn't Kansas. And you're like, well, can't say that. And it... <laughs> I, I don't know where this is coming from because this feels like this may have been before y'all's time coming into the league because you came in with Texas A&M. But when Mark Rick was at Georgia, they broke out black jerseys for the first time against Alabama. And it was 31 to nothing at halftime. The game was over. And after the game, they asked an Alabama player, it's like, hey, what, why did y'all come out there? He's like, well, they were wearing black jerseys because they knew they were going to a funeral. And – that is what this Texas game feels like. It just feels like this could get out of control in a hurry. Yeah, this um, this is a terrible matchup for Texas. You know, jokes and memes aside, their team is not set up to compete with uh, a team like Alabama. They uh, Their offensive line play last year was very poor. They're now starting two true freshmen. Um when you match that up against Will Anderson, Dallas Turner, Chris Braswell, I think that's a just recipe for disaster. I think Quinn Ewers is going to be running for his life. Um, and, you know, you look at, again, Bijan Robinson, who is a phenomenal running back, one of the best in the country. But look at the course of Nick Saban's tenure at Alabama, what they do to star running backs. I mean, Leonard Fournette got nowhere in multiple games against Bama. I mean, th- that's what they do. They, they stop the run and they run man on the outside and say, come beat us. Um, and I just don't see it happening at all. 
I think this one gets out of hand quickly, and I think it's going to be up to you know Saban and this coaching staff whether or not they want to take it a little bit easy on Steve Sarkeesian, former you know colleague, or they want to send a message that you know when you come into the SEC, this is what you're going to get. A and then B. Uh, Alabama recruits Texas very heavily, so if they want to send a message to any recruits in that state that this is Texas, this is how far away they are from us. So why don't you come and play uh, in Tuscaloosa? I, I think he'll be able to do that. So to me, this is kind of a name your score game for Bama. Um, you know, Texas might might score a little bit. Their offense is they have good skill position, but I don't see them really getting more than fourteen or twenty points. And like I said, I think Bama can kind of name their score on offense. I don't see Texas putting up much of a fight defensively. All right, boss man, this is going to be one of those games where the score gets out of hand to the point where Texas is like, you know, maybe we can just wait out for this Big 12 contract just so we can get ready. We don't need to come over early. We we can just let this grant of rights play out. We don't want to spend all that money. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, look, choo-choo, the Crimson Tide train is coming through Austin this weekend, and it's going to be ugly. Uh, it's kind of funny because there's so much attention on this game, uh, not only in Austin, but also from the media. Uh, SEC Network is is sending somebody to this game. They're sending Roman Harper, um, who's going to be on site during SEC Nation. Um, they're kind of doing it a little bit odd this week. It's not just going to be one location. They're going to have folks in mul- multiple locations. Tebow's going to be in Gainesville, uh, and Harper's going to be in Austin. And then they also have game day that's going to be in Austin for this. The big noon kickoff, that's, you know, Fox made this the big noon kickoff because they want to push, uh, you know, their big noon kickoff brand. I don't know why they made that this game because it's going to get ugly fast, and I think a lot of people are going to be changing the channel pretty darn quick. Um, Texas has some players. Texas has some talent, but Alabama is Alabama, and they have talent uh, coming out their ears. Um I just, I really don't see, you know, much reason to to add to what Hank said. Hank broke it down pretty good. I think Alabama is going to win this one. I think it's going to be uh, 49 to 17 and Texas scores a touchdown late uh, to make it 17 and get close to 20. You know, I just, I really don't see a, an avenue where Texas wins this game. Um, and Nick Saban, he, he likes to, uh, he likes to crush his former assistants. Uh, but sometimes he'll take it a little bit easy on him and ease up maybe at the end of the game so that he doesn't make it too bad. The only person he didn't do that against was Lane Kiffin. <laughs> uh, and so he, I, I'd be interested to see what he does against Sark. I think he's going to have the chance to run it up, like Hank said, if he wants to. Um, and why not? If I was him and I'm walking into Texas uh, DKR, Texas Memorial Stadium, uh, I'd want to do that, especially after uh, this, you know, this week, is uh, I think it's a decade since those rumors were coming out that Saban was headed to Texas. Uh, and then the boosters at Texas got a little mouthy and mm-hmm. uh, decided that they wanted to leak that info. And Shocking. Uh, you know, yeah, what do you know? <laughs> Not much has changed, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so Saban actually, he talked about it yesterday on his radio show and basically said that wasn't even true, that that didn't happen. He threw water on it. So who knows what's <laughs> true? Uh, but he's just already rubbing salt in the wound of what he knows is going to be a blowout. Yeah. And we'll move on to 2.30. The SEC is on all the networks this week. They're on Fox, FS1, ABC. They're all over the place on the ACC, ABC. Um, the SEC is on ABC with Tennessee and Pittsburgh at 2.30 Saturday. Tennessee is a six-point favorite. It's a game to go up there against Dan Marino and Tony Dorsett. Wait, no, they're not there. They had trouble stopping the West Virginia offense quarterback by Georgia's former backup quarterback, 
and Tennessee's coming up there with not Joe Milton playing quarterback. I'm going to take the Vols in this game. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, I, I'm going to take the Vols as well. I, I think Hendon Hooker's a solid quarterback. I'm excited to see him against Pitt in a revenge game from last year. Uh, you know, Tennessee kept it close last year, and people didn't necessarily expect him to during that time. Uh, people thought that Pitt would, would walk into Nayland and, and get a, a good win. Uh, and that didn't necessarily that wasn't necessarily the case. Hendon Hooker led a comeback. Tennessee had a real shot at the end of that game to win, uh, but they didn't pull it out. This year, Tennessee's a different team. Tennessee has some confidence. They have some swagger. They have some momentum. Uh, Josh Heupel has Knoxville behind him. Uh, and I really don't think Pitt's that good, to be honest with you. You know, I watched that game uh, against West Virginia. That was a fantastic game, an awesome game to watch. But I think Pitt has a lot of deficiencies that I think uh, Tennessee will be able to exploit. Uh, and Pitt better score some darn points, man. And I don't know if they can do it. I think Tennessee's gonna gonna hang a, a high number uh, on Pitt. So I, I'm taking Tennessee in this one. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm on the same page as you guys. Uh, I feel like you know we haven't even had a disagreement yet, which is unfortunate. But um, <laughs> I just I just don't think I don't think Pitt can keep up. Like y'all said, I, I do like Pitt's offense in a normal context, but. Tennessee's not a normal opponent. I mean, they score as much as anybody in the country. I expect them to have, you know, one of the best offenses in in the entire nation. So what I'm going to be really looking for in this game is, is Tennessee's defense. Um, they didn't get much of a test in week one. And as we know, you know, depending on how much that unit improves is kind of as far as Tennessee will go this year, right? Their offense, as I just said, as good as anybody. So, what can their defense do against Keaton Slovis, who looked pretty good um, in week one? You know, uh, what's his name? Narduzzi up there. Uh, he's going to want to run the ball. He likes his teams to be physical. So I think it's a good primer for SEC play where you have a, a fairly pro-style offense. They're going to want to run. They're going to want to work play action. Um, and I think Slovis is good enough to make you pay if, if you're not disciplined on the back end. So that's what I'm looking for. I just I just don't think like y'all pointed out that, that Pitt can keep up. So I'm going with the balls here, but very interested to see how that defense holds up. All right. Next up, App State play goes to College Station in Texas A&M. I'll tell you what, App State's not going to win this game. They're not going to cover. But App State running that stretch play is a thing of beauty. Yeah. Go ahead, uh, Our main hammer. <laughs> yeah, I was just, going to just jump in there and say, yeah, I mean, you know, App State is – such a fun team to watch. And frankly, a team I, I was writing a, 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 the preview for that game today and think about it, I was like, you know, I pretty much since the Michigan upset, it's like I've always rooted for App State for no real reason other than they're kind of the, you know, lovable underdog. Um, and they played that role well last week against against UNC. Um, and I think their offense is explosive. So, you know, again, I, I'm going to go similar, you know, to what I said last uh, uh, last segment that, you know, it's less so about the result of the game and more so kind of how it plays out. Obviously, App State can score, so you want to see Texas A&M's defense take care of business. Uh, I don't think they got much resistance a week ago from Sam Houston. The defense looked really good, but it's Sam Houston. App State's a big step up. Uh, and then same thing on, on the offense, right? If you're A&M, you should be able to score on App State. UNC just put up 60-something points. So let's clean up those turnovers from Haynes King. Let's establish the run. Um, and really, you know, put your foot down on on a team that if you let hang around will cause problems. So, uh, you know, I think A&M will win and cover, but uh, just very interested to see 
uh, a much better test than the Aggies got a week ago and, and how they fare. Yeah, I think uh, Texas A&M this year, if there's anything I trust about them, it's the defense. Uh, even with DJ Durkin coming in uh, as a new defensive coordinator, uh, Mike Elko built that thing into a machine, and they have recruited some dudes at Texas A&M on defense. Uh, this is the best defense I think that Jimbo is going to have. Uh, I think it's it's solid. I, I think App State is going to be able to put up some points, uh, but I don't think it's going to be enough based on you know what Hank just talked about. UNC put up a bunch of points against App State last week. Uh, I don't think Texas A&M will be able to do uh, to put up as many points as UNC did. Um, but I do think that Jimbo is going to be able to find uh, the holes in this defense. I think that Haynes King will settle down a little bit. You also have Devon A. Chain still back there, uh, you know, who's, who I think will be able to, to run kind of all over App State. Uh, so at the end of the day, um, I think that A&M will cover. Uh, but I, I can definitely see something where A&M wins this one by like 17 you know, and just gets under the spread um, and, and doesn't, doesn't cover because this does have the makings of App State is walking into Kyle Field. Uh, Aggies are looking at what we just talked about, uh, that they should cover, um, and maybe they come out sluggish. I really feel like the only possibility where that happens is if Haynes King is sluggish again and they have to just grind it out in the fourth quarter. Um, but in the end of the day, I think that A&M will cover. All right, there's three no-line games this week. There's Sanford and Georgia, Central Arkansas and Ole Miss, and Southern Southern University and LSU. Not really going to talk about those. Who are, The SEC team should easily win all three of those. We'll go now to San Jose State and Auburn down on the Plains. Over-under is at 48.5. Auburn's favored by 24. It's on ESPNU at 6.30 at night. Robbie Ashford provided a little bit of a spark to kind of deal with an uneven or normal, I guess you could say, T.J. Finley performance. Boss man? Yeah, that's what I'm interested in this game. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. It's, uh, you know, all these quarterback situations, everybody's kind of watching that, uh, as we've mentioned in, in previous shows. Um, football is just so quarterback-driven these days uh, that that's what matters. And at Auburn, it's the same. T.J. Finley – he has not looked good uh, in some of his starts. He did not look great last week. Robbie Ashford came in. He looked like he could provide a spark. Uh, the offense looked a little bit crisper under him. Um, and this is a tune-up. They should beat San Jose State easily. San Jose State last year, um, I think they were like 6-4 and four or something like that or uh, close to 500. I mean, they weren't a very good football team. So, um, you know, they're walking into to Jordan-Hare and uh, really shouldn't have put up much of a fight. But – it's what is happening at that order, uh, the Auburn quarterback situation. How does T.J. Finley look? Does Robbie Ashford take control of the offense uh, and kind of take the reins of this job? That's what I'm watching. Yeah. Go ahead, Hank. Yeah, was not much to add. I think Auburn takes care of business here. Look for another big day out of Tank Bigsby. He had a great week one. Looks extremely, extremely good, uh, which is good news for Auburn. But, yeah, I think, you know, look, when you look at you know, Penn State coming into town and then the rest of the SEC West slate uh, plus Georgia every year, you got to find out who your quarterback is. And if it is T.J. Finley, if he's really your best option, uh, I think you're in trouble based on what we've seen in the in the sample size he's given. So, like, if I'm an Auburn fan, I, I kind of hope we see Robbie Ashford and he performs well because, I, like I said, I don't know if he's a better quarterback than Finley, but I know what we have in Finley, and I don't think it's very good. So, Hopefully someone else emerges there. 
um, and, and, you know, can, can lead the Tigers into some, some bigger games, but this should be an easy win. All right. And finally, we've got an, a, a 10 o'clock our 10 o'clock central kickoff on FS1, Mississippi State out in Tucson. Um, I guess it'll be at least nighttime at that point, so they might have to deal with 95 or 100-degree heat as opposed to the 115. But it's a game that could be tricky. Arizona did beat San, Jose, or San Diego State in the opening of their stadium last week. That's, that's not really a result that should be sneezed at. I just feel feel for whatever reason like Arizona could sneak up on Mississippi State this week. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I, I do not like this game. When you look at the schedule and you've got an SEC team going out to the Pac-12 for some Pac-12 after dark, um, it's going to be a weird game. And, and this is one of those games, too. Look, when you look at Mike Leach over his many stops, um, it seems like every year he has one game, Memphis last year, for example, that – really doesn't make sense or jive with what they do the rest of the year. Um, this could very easily be that game. Problem is, I, I don't quite believe enough in Arizona. I think even if the Mississippi State um, offense comes out sluggish and for some reason doesn't look like we expect them to under Will Rogers, I think the Mississippi State defense uh, will come up big here and keep them in this game. So I could easily see this game, you know, going late into the fourth quarter and being a struggle for Mississippi State. But I do think they'll win in the end. Um, I just I don't have enough confidence in Arizona that they have enough talent to hang for four quarters. Um, and I do trust that Mississippi State defense. I think they're a veteran unit that's good. So um, you know, hopefully for for our Bulldog fans out there, the the offense does look good and there's nothing funky going on out uh, out in the desert but if it does happen i like their defense to, to hang tough and, and keep them in the game to where they ultimately win yeah this one has some makings of a trap uh like you talked about the time change the late game time uh at least by you know eastern standards or even central standards um you know i, I don't love that the heat isn't going to be nice uh mississippi state is used to heat it gets hot in mississippi too but um you know it's going to be hot even in a, for a late game time so I don't, I don't love that for Mississippi State. I, I do think this one has all the makings of them coming out sluggish and it, you know, at least going late into the third quarter, uh, into the mid-fourth uh, to where it's still a game. But at the end of the day, I think Mississippi State's just much more talented than Arizona. Arizona is still in a serious rebuilding phase um, after the Rich Rodriguez and then Kevin Sumlin regimes pretty much put that program uh, in the tank. I mean, <laughs> they're, they're tr trying to come out of a, a serious hole and they're still trying to dig out of it. Um, they're, they're showing some signs of life, but Mississippi state's a solid sec West team. Mike Leach, I think is going to have them ready at the end of the day. Um, uh, I do think this one is going to be decently close going into the fourth quarter, but I think, uh, Mississippi state ends up getting a pretty solid win on the road. All right. That is the week two slate of games. When we come back after this break, we will hit the news of the day, including Chris Rodriguez. And we're going to talk a little bit about Dabo Swinney right after this. All right. Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available on all your, wherever you get your podcast. You can catch us on iTunes and Spotify. Do not forget to rate and review us there. Just give us a five-star review and say whatever you want to say. Just make sure it's a five-star review. Now, guys, Chris Rodriguez suspended again for Florida. We kind of expected that. But 
the reason I'm bringing this up is that Mark Stoops was asked about it after the Miami of Ohio game during his press conference. And he said he had been advised by his legal department not to even talk about it. And that is that phrase right there is just kind of weird to me and makes me wonder if this is not more serious than we possibly believe, Hank. Yeah, you're totally right. Something strange is going on. I actually listened, uh, I was listening to a little bit of KSR, the, the big, you know, radio station out in Kentucky, um, after all this had, had kind of broken just to see what was going on. And from, from what I heard from those guys was it's, uh, whatever it is, they don't know, but it's, it's out of Stoops' hands. Basically they said that it's not the DUI. Uh, it's something different. They said if it was just the DUI that he had earlier in the spring, he would likely be back this week for Florida. He would have sat down week one and returned. So whatever it is, it's serious enough that it's higher up on the totem pole than Stoops, which I think is why he's not commenting on it, right? Is is I don't think it's in his hands. I don't know if that means it's with uh, higher ups at the university. Maybe the NCAA is involved. Could be a legal situation. Uh, who knows? But I do think it's very serious and it, it doesn't seem like he's going to be back anytime soon, frankly, um, given the very little information we've gotten. Uh, it just, it seems serious. And, you know, obviously you hope the best for, for Rodriguez um, that he's able to play this year, but you know, we'll, we'll wait till we see what the facts are because we don't know what, what happened there. Um, but very strange situation. And I saw too, another one of their suspended players is returning for this Florida game. So again, it's, it's something different that we don't know about and nobody really seems to know about. Um, so just something to keep tabs on, but yeah, I, I would not expect him back anytime soon. Yeah. I mean, this isn't a great situation. It's obviously not great. You have your star running back who is really the engine of your team. Uh, and no one seems to know when he's going to be able to play again. Um, Kentucky's hopes, I think really rest on Chris Rodriguez's shoulders. I mean, He's the one that kind of takes some pressure off of Will Levis. Will Levis, you know, hands the ball to Chris Rodriguez. Chris Rodriguez, he's, you know, he's good for 100 yards a game. Uh, that opens up some lanes for him to pass in. Now you don't really have that. I mean, Cavassier Smoke, he's a decent back, but, you know, we just talked about it earlier in the show, ran for 50 yards against Miami of Ohio. Chris Rodriguez, I don't think he runs for 50 yards against Miami of Ohio. Um, they really need him back. And so the fact that uh, this is out of Stoops' hands – tells me it's something that is is not good. Um, and now you got to start wondering, I mean, what they've said to this point is that this suspension is indefinite. So we're not sure when he's coming back. And you start looking at Kentucky's schedule, and after Florida, uh, you get two what should be gimmies with Youngstown and then uh, Northern Illinois. And then you start getting to the heart of the SEC schedule. And you got Ole Miss, South Carolina, Mississippi State, and then Tennessee uh, in four straight weeks, in four straight games. So um, if you don't have Chris Rodriguez back by the time you start hitting the meat of that SEC schedule, Kentucky fans should be worried because the season that they thought they were going to have at the start of the year, kind of looking at, hey, we can solidify ourselves as possibly number two behind Georgia in the SEC East. That looks a little shaky now without Chris Rodriguez, with Florida starting to push, uh, with Anthony Richardson and looking good under Billy Napier and Tennessee getting momentum. Um, you could quickly find yourself falling off uh, if you don't get Rodriguez back soon. Yeah, if Rodriguez doesn't come back soon, all of a sudden, Belt Bowl, 
Liberty Bowl, that, that's the tier that Kentucky's living in. Now, this isn't SEC-related, but I think it's funny just because it needs to be put out to everybody that's listening. Dabo Sweeney, who famously said if players uh, start getting paid, he'll go find something else to do, signed a contract this week worth $115 million. So, boss man, tell me about the hypocrisy here. <laughs> Money talks. <laughs> I think it's pretty pretty simple. You know, it's uh, yeah, it's pretty hypocritical of Dabo. Um, maybe he's had a change of heart as far as NIL goes. It seems you know, I, it's it's here. It's not going anywhere. Players players are going to get play uh, paid. Uh, we had the college football playoff is making a decision. You know, they were supposed to uh, talk about it yesterday. They didn't come to a decision as to whether or not it was going to start in twenty twenty four or twenty twenty six. That's still on the table. But one of the things that they're talking about uh, in that is how they're going to pay players or if pay players should get paid based on, you know, this new system coming in. Uh, so it's here to stay. Um, it, I, I hope that Dabo gets asked about that. You know, I don't think he's really talked to the media too much or a reporter that I have seen has not asked him about this. Um, but, yeah, it, it is a little hypocritical from Dabo. And now he's second uh, highest paid again behind Saban. Um, so the college football arms race, as far as coaches' salaries go, just continues to get uh, out of control and astronomical. Um, but at the end of the day, I will say, you know, people complain a lot about how much these coaches are making. Um, the value that they bring to these schools, they're being underpaid. I mean, Alabama, Clemson, um, you know, Ole Miss, even with Lane Kiffin, Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M, um, uh, you know, there's a bunch of coaches you could name, but those guys, the amount of money that gets brought in for Alabama and Clemson's of the world and, and those different schools that are on the map that have won national championships in the last 10 years, uh, they have brought in so much money for those schools. Alabama has so many kids that come from out of state. They are raking in the dough um, from these guys. So anyway, it's interesting hypocrisy from Dabo. Uh, and I hope somebody asks him about it. <laughs> Yeah, my um, my biggest takeaway, look, you know, this isn't the first time a, a college coach has has said something that's hypocritical. I think we're we're quite used to that at this point. Um, I just look at it and I think, uh, A, it's good to be Jimmy Sexton. I assume Dabo's a Jimmy Sexton client. I didn't even look that up, but it seems like every big uh, college sure. coach is, is represented by Sexton. Um, and like Alex said, it's just an arms race. I mean, did Dabo need an extension and a raise? No, but... Guess who just got one? Saban, Kirby, Jimbo in the last couple of years, right? So Sexton makes a call, says, "Hey, we have an up, uh, you know, we have an up Dabo in a couple of years. Let's let's get it back up there, you know, into the top five. And like Alex said, yeah, we'll slot him in right behind Saban. Sound good? Clemson's happy to stroke that check. So there you have it. It's a pretty. I think it's a pretty simple negotiation, honestly." <laughs> All right, and before I let you guys out of here, um, you bring up next interesting part about the playoff expanding and them talking about that. One of the proposals that they're looking at is basically moving the season back a week, which means championship games would be at Thanksgiving weekend and week zero games would be the actual start of the college football season. What do you guys think about that, Hank? I love it. Um and the biggest reason I love it is I think it gives college football more time to shine. You know, when you look at um, the, the college football schedule as a whole right now, they get week zero and week one without any NFL. 
Um, and week zero is like, you know, a fourth of a regular week, right? There's not many big games. It's, it's kind of uh, a, a, you know, smaller slate with not great matchups. So if they're going to make that the real week one, that gives you a couple weeks ahead of the NFL uh, to basically be in the spotlight. And I think there's got to be juggling of the schedule. Um, when you're adding all these games, if you, if you expand to 12, the, you know, you can't expect these kids to play into, you know, late January or February or whatever they're, they're going to work it out. as. So I think it's a great idea. I don't think there's any reason, um, you know, to keep pushing the season further back again, when you're competing with the NFL for eyeballs. Um, so yeah, I say, move it up, give the college football a couple couple weeks in prime time where they can, because, you know, week one, we had games Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Uh, that was great. And and they could do that again if they wanted. I, I don't know if they will. You know, I'm sure coaches don't like playing on Sundays or Mondays, which I understand. But um, if you really want to showcase the sport uh, and you've got a couple free weekends earlier in the the season, just, just do that. I mean, kids are already on campus and June and July, certain fall camp a week early is not going to matter. So I like the idea. I think uh, I, I, I Hank makes great points. I think that, that all that's great, but I'm a little torn. Um, you know, growing up with rivalry week being Thanksgiving week, and that that is such a staple of college football um, is having all those big games uh, over the Thanksgiving holiday. Um, I know we have to have a little bit of give and take here with all these changes now taking place in college football, the college football playoff expanding, um, et cetera. Um, so I'm on board. At the end of the day, I'm on board. I, I do like the college football playoff expansion. I think it's going to be good for the sport. I'm on board with moving it up a week uh, to week zero. No disrespect to the game of Vandy in Hawaii, but I would much rather see LSU, Florida State, and games of that nature in week zero uh, than starting a week later. Um, so at the end of the day, I'm on board, but I am torn just because I, I do love rivalry weekend being on Thanksgiving and those families getting together that are torn, uh, you know, between two schools. Uh, I mean, we grew up with Texas and Texas A&M in the big 12 and those holidays were always so much fun over Thanksgiving, um, that I think it takes a little bit away from that. But at the same time, if you're having those championship weekends on Thanksgiving, you're going to get fantastic matchups and you're going to get a ton of eyeballs on those games. So, um, I don't love the part about rival, rivalry week uh, that would be moved up. Uh, but at the end of the day, I can get on board with the change. Yeah, the conferences will be able to stagger their games, too, because of people being off work. So you wouldn't have a situation to where three games are going on at the same time. They've got all Friday, Saturday, and potentially Sunday to do it. Um, so True. it should be quite interesting. Anyway, thank you, guys. I will see you next week on this has been the Biscuits and SEC Week two preview, the Hammer Bossman Slim. I'm Stephen Willis. Thank you very much. We'll see you next time.